I take you to be my husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until parted by death. This is my solemn vow. Well, good morning, Crossroads. We are diving into week two of our series called The Vow. And I need to just start by asking this question. How many of you have ever done something really foolish in your pursuit of love? Anybody want to just go there and raise your hand and be willing? Yeah, some of you were very quick to raise your hands. I saw that. Uh, I think most of us, if we were honest, did something just kind of foolish or just looking back on it in your pursuit of the one that you love, just made some really terrible choices, if we're just being honest, and you'd maybe tried a little bit too hard, or maybe just didn't think something through all the way, right? Uh, I remember back when I first met Dana, we met uh, in the back of a Martin's supermarket. True story. Actually had two different friends that said, I know a girl that you need to meet. And so the one introduced me at Martin's supermarkets and the one we went on a double date with a couple weeks later. And that's how the journey began, my junior year of high school. It goes all the way back that far for Dana and I. And I remember uh, I went to Elkhart Baptist Christian School at the time, all right? Uh, and so it came to be the springtime and that's prom season. And so being the good Christian school people that we were, we had prom alternative. I just want you to know that. We had prom alternative at, at EBCS. It was like a Christian version of prom, which means, well, it wasn't that fun. And so the reality is we went, <laughs> uh, we went to our prom, and I remember uh, picking Dana up. I'm in my, you know, tux that I rented, you know, for $70 at, you know, Louis' tux shop back in the day. Uh, Dana was all dressed up and looking great and beautiful, and we took my 1984 hatchback Nissan Sentra. I just want you guys to know that's the car that we rolled in. Uh, we had to make a stop on the way, <laughs> and one thing you need to know about my 1984 hatchback Nissan Sentra is that that was my car. Like, I was super proud of this car. I earned all the money to buy this car. It cost $970. It took every dollar that I had to purchase that car. I was proud of that car. Uh, but sometimes it didn't start, okay? Sometimes it didn't start. Uh, I had kind of a bad, weird uh, starter. Uh, but fortunately for me, being broke as I was as a junior in high school, uh, it was a, a manual transition, uh, transmission, so I could pop the clutch. If I get the car rolling, I could pop the clutch and get that thing to turn over and start. And I know I lost like 90% of the crowd when I said manual transmission. I get that. Like, what, what is that? I'm not even going to explain it. But the reality was, whenever my car wouldn't start, I had to get it rolling. I'd pop the clutch, and it would turn over and start right up. It was a very reliable car. So what happened was, when we made our stop, we went back into the car to go to, to the actual prom, and uh, the car wouldn't start. The car wouldn't start. We were parked on a pretty level street. That was a bad, bad idea. Uh, and so as we're all dressed up to go to the prom, uh, I'm going, hey, uh, <laughs> hey Dana. I'm going to need you to push the car a little bit to get it, get, get it going. <laughs> and so, 
<laughs> sure enough, like I'm at the driver's door trying to get some momentum. I jump in, she's pushing in the high heels of the dress, and uh, we get the car rolling, pop the clutch, get it going, no big deal. I mean, we kind of laugh it out, but honestly, I was embarrassed as all get out. We'd only been dating for a few months. Well, fast forward to the senior version of this event, I did not make that same mistake twice. No, I borrowed a friend's bright red Trans Am, beautiful car. We went in style. I needed to impress because I knew this was the end of high school. We're about to go to college. If I have any chance of hanging on to this relationship, I need to try to impress. You know what I'm saying? Guys, you understand, right? We have to impress. We have to pursue the one that we love. And I think that what we have to recognize when it comes to marriage, when it comes to the relationships that we have in life, uh, by nature, we pursue what we don't have. And so I think there's, this got, there's got to be this realization that when you're dating someone, when you're trying to, you know, make yourself look as great as possible, make yourself the biggest catch you can possibly be and impress, you are pursuing that person with everything that you've got. Because you don't have that yet. That's what you deeply desire. And I think that the trap that we fall into is that once we are married, once we, you know, achieve that goal, like, yes, we've exchanged vows. I've locked this up for life. This is fantastic. Well, we fall into that trap of not pursuing our spouse the way that we used to. And I think a lot of times we confuse what real love is. In our culture today, love is really defined by eros or, or passionate love, which is really, it's, it's just... It's the lightest, weakest level of love that there really is, just a love that's based on feeling, emotion, and passion, right? And in our culture today, we're kind of trained that, well, when the passion dies, ah, I never really loved, we're going we're gonna to move on to the next one. And, and you kind of get into this cycle where you never really go to that deeper level of love. And God calls us to love each other with this, this deepest level of love, this level of love that is reflective of who God is and the love that he has for us. It's this agape love, this love that is selfless, this love that is sacrificial, this love that serves. So that when the passion maybe isn't there like it used to be, you're leading the way in a committed love, selfless, sacrificial love that serves and I think what happens is the longer we get in our relationships, maybe the passion, it's not as easy to come by as it used to be. We have to work a little bit harder. And when the passion isn't there, we start looking around and we go, oh, well, it appears that the grass is greener on the other side, right? We, we start looking around and, and that's a trap that we fall into because we get lazy, I mean, who gets anywhere that they want to get to by being lazy, right? Think about if you've started a business and you're ready to go and make it a success, you don't get successful by being lazy and just saying, well, we'll see what happens. That never happens. You don't go to the gym and you, just, you stand by the counter and talk to people and expect to come out, you know, ripped and looking great. You got to put the work in. You, you, laziness doesn't cut it. When we uh, lived in Lakeland, Florida, we, we bought a, a new house. And part of the deal in Florida was the new house came when you built it, they would sod the whole yard. You have brand new grass, and it's like, it's great. Everything looks perfect the day you move in. Well, what I didn't realize in Florida was that the grass down there, I mean, you have to water that stuff like crazy. And something that I didn't count on when I moved into this house was when I watered the lawn, I had to pay for that water. And to water the lawn the way it needed to be watered, it cost about $175 a month. I'm going, 
that's crazy. I don't think it's worth $175 to have a green. So I tried to figure out how little can I water my lawn but keep the grass alive. You know what I'm saying? Anybody like that at all? I'm a little bit cheap. I'm just I'm admitting my, my own failures and shortcomings. How little can I water my yard and still keep it alive? Well, I mean, truth be told, spoiler alert, I failed. All the grass died. I mean, it was, it was terrible. There was like two yards in the whole neighborhood that were totally brown. Mine was one of them. I felt like a total loser. And here's the thing. Why do I say that? Here's the thing. I want you to really think about this. If you're in a relationship, you've been married for a while, and you're starting to fall into that trap of, well, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, I would, I would challenge you to stop looking at the other yards and, and water, your own, water your own yard. How about that? Pursue your spouse with everything that you've got. The vows that we are talking about in this series are so important. Last week we talked about vow number one, which is this. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. You guys, that applies to you whether you're single, whether you're looking to, to find your spouse, whether you're dating, or whether you're married. It starts by seeking God first. You seek him first and all these other things get added to you as well. Seek God first. Make him your highest priority and and make your spouse your second. That's important. Your spouse becomes the most important human relationship in your life, which leads us to the next vow that we're leaning into today, which is I promise to always pursue my two. That's easy to remember, right? Let's say that together. Would you say that with me? I promise to always pursue my two. This becomes commitment. This transforms from, you know, just that passionate love that's based on emotion to that continual pursuit. It's that deepest level of love, the love that God has for us, that agape love that is selfless, that is sacrificial, that serves. And I want to remind you today that that is the exact same type of love that God pursues us with. That's the same love that he has pursued you with. I mean, don't let it be lost on you today. Maybe you're single here today. Maybe you're dating. Maybe you're not interested in getting married at all right now. Good for you. That's great. Maybe you're married and you're thinking about how these apply to your marriage. But can I just challenge you with this point today that applies to every single person? This is the love that we are called to when it comes to our marriages and pursuing our spouses. It's the same love that God has for us. He pursues us with a selfless sacrificial love that serves. John 3, 16 is such a powerful verse. God loved the world so much, this deepest type of love, that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not suffer, but have everlasting life. That's the love that God has for us. He was willing to lay himself down on the cross. He was willing to suffer and to die. He was willing to do all these, for, these, these things for us even though we were far from him. We were his enemy. We had done nothing to deserve that. And yet that's the kind of selfless, sacrificial love that serves that God has for you and for me. That is the way that he has pursued us. And so when we realize that in marriage we have this perfect opportunity to reflect that deepest level of love When we realize God is my highest priority, but my spouse is my second highest priority, then there's this realization that I have to promise, this next vow is, I promise to always pursue my two. 
And I want to go back to Genesis 2.24. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to stay here. Uh, it says in Genesis 2.24, after all of creation, uh, God saw that Adam was alone. He created Eve. He brings Eve to Adam, and he realizes, I am complete. This is perfect. Now I'm ready to go. And it's in the middle of this context that this verse takes place. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, this is interesting. The word there for united is debuck. Go ahead and say that with me. Debuck. All right, that's very, you can do better than that. Say it with me. Debuck. There you go, debuck. Uh, that term united, it's translated very interesting when it comes to this idea of pursuit. You see this in a few different verses in Scripture. Psalm 63, 8, it says, I follow close behind you. Like, I am pursuing you, which also, honestly, Psalm 63, 8, if you're a stalker, that's probably your life verse, right? Like, I follow close behind you. <laughs> no? I thought that was funny. Okay. Job 41, 17, they are joined fast together. They cling together and cannot be parted. Judges 20, 45, they pursued hard after them. I mean, what you see here is that the meaning of this word is that you cling to, you, you catch by pursuit, or you just pursue with complete affection and devotion. That's the meaning behind that word. When it says they were united together, there's this idea of pursuit, clinging to each other, fighting for each other, never giving up. And I love that idea. I love that concept when it comes to marriage, that realization that that's the kind of love that God has for us, and that's the kind of love that God calls us to have for each other, especially in our marriages. And so this promise to always pursue my two, man, it's worth leaning into because it changes everything. And let me encourage you, if you're dating out there or you're looking for that perfect spouse, I'm going to tell you this right now. Make sure whoever you're dating is pursuing you. You are worth pursuing, all right? Let's give everybody a round of applause who's looking for that special someone. Make sure they are pursuing you. You are worth pursuing, all right? That means that, you know, you're more important than the video game that they're playing, all right? Uh, you're worth them getting dressed up for you and taking out to dinner every now and then. You are worth pursuing. Don't settle for something less than that. This is the deepest kind of love. It is selfless. It is sacrificial. It serves what we have to do is we have to close the gap between intentions and actions. Because I think a lot of times we fall into this trap where we're just not very good at pursuing. I mean, can I just be honest? I have to really work at this concept just like everybody else does. There are many, many times that I haven't been good at pursuing data continually. I think it, it probably ebbs and flows and you realize when things get a little tense around the house, it's like, oh, wait a second, I'm not doing my part. I think so quickly we're able to try to find fault in the other person and you know, why is this falling apart? It must be something they're doing. We've gotta be willing and ready to own our part in that. And sometimes I don't pursue the way that I should. That's why this vow is so important. I promise to pursue my two because if we keep that in front of us, if we keep that in focus, it's gonna keep our marriages in a healthy place. This idea of closing the gap between intentions and actions, I wanna break this down three different ways with you today. I think that the first thing that we can identify here is when you think something good, say it. Like, don't just let that thought pass you by and let something good that was in your mind, don't let that go unsaid. 
Because those things that you say to each other are really important, especially if it's good. There's so much negative, there's so much people being critical in our lives, in our culture today, that in your marriage, anytime you can think something good and say it, man, that's a win. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's talk about what this means in our relationships. And here's the thing, this applies to every relationship, but I think especially so in your marriages. What does that look like? Well, I would say, guys, pursue her with words of affection. Can we just think about that for a second? I have to work at this. If it was up to me and just my natural tendency, I don't think about this stuff very often. But when I do, it matters. When I pursue Dana with words of affection, her face lights up, it's a game changer. And can I just throw this out there? Um, how about this, this is gonna be very controversial. Guys, I would even say non-sexual affection. How about that, don't tie it to sex, which guys, we're pretty good at doing, right? Like, do something nice, hey, could you rotate my tires? Oh, I'll rotate your tires. And we don't even know what that means. <laughs> but we've made it sexual, right? <laughs> you guys. Can you grab my groceries? Oh, I'll grab your groceries. <laughs> we don't even know what we're saying. <laughs> I love this concept of saying I love you, but saying I love you because. That just makes it more meaningful. Like, think about it. Like, I love you. That's a great moment to say I love you. Get a, get a quick kiss on the way out. But how about when you notice something about your spouse, guys, when you notice something about your wives, I love you because, how about this, you are so much fun. I love you because you honor God. I love you because you sacrifice so much for our family. I love you because you are my best friend. Oh, that's meaningful. Those are great words of affection. That's speaking life into the relationship. Pursue her with words of affection. Uh, ladies, I would say pursue him with words of affirmation. Uh, guys, we need that. I don't know why, but we do. I, at the end of the day, every one of us are, are going to be totally fine with words of affirmation. You're never going to go wrong saying, hey, nice job on that. You really, you really did a great job. And honestly, I mean, honestly, let's just be real. When it comes to leading our homes spiritually, ladies, if you're, if you're looking for your, for your guy or your husband to, to lead more spiritually and, and to take you places that you haven't been spiritually, I would challenge you to, to speak life into him in, in terms of encouraging you by seeing who he is becoming. We're always quick to point out the faults. That's easy. But when you can point out ways that, that he is becoming who God is calling him to be, don't, don't tell him what he's not. Tell him who you see him becoming. Example of that would be building him up spiritually. Like when he says, hey, let's go to church today. And you say, hey, thank you for saying that. that that's a great move. That's fantastic. He'll, he'll say that all the time then. Like if he offers to pray prayer, you know, for Thanksgiving, you know, God is great, God is good, thank you for the food, amen. You can lean over and say, husband, that was a great prayer. I'm so proud of you. And then, you know, next Thanksgiving, he'll be ripping something off of the TV preachers and doing something amazing because you've, you've affirmed him and he's realized, oh, I'm impressing my lady here. It matters. Words of, of affirmation. That speaks life. When you see or when you think something good, I encourage you to say it. Uh, men, she wants to know, do you love me today? At, at the end of the day, that, that's what your wife wants to know. Do you love me today? Ladies, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? That's how you speak life. These are just simple traits and I think uh, nuances that are, are very uh, true to, to most men and women that, that make a difference. I encourage you to speak life 
Um, when you think something good, say it. Don't hold that in. How about this? When you think something special, do it. I love this scripture, James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I mean, that gets real serious real fast, but the reality is, man, if you think something good, like I, I've thought of something special, this is something I could do to bless my wife, to bless my husband, do it. Step out, take a risk, do it. Take action. I, uh, I don't do this very well either. I have to work at these moments, but sometimes I hit the jackpot. Uh, I realized, this was about four years ago now, that uh, we were going on vacation uh, over Christmas break to Clearwater Beach, which is where I asked Dana to marry me. That's where Clearwater Beach holds a special place in my heart for all kinds of reasons. That is one of them. I realized that while we were down there, that the pastor who married us back in July of 2000 was right there in that local community. And I realized, oh my goodness, you know, for our special anniversary, we could renew our, bow, our vows right there on the beach with the guy who married us. And so I put this all together, had my sister there with the boys, surprised Dana with an opportunity for us to renew our vows on the beach. And I'm going to tell you what, that's one of the best decisions I ever made. She loved that. When you think something special, do it. And I would just encourage you, it doesn't have to be that extravagant. I mean, do something that your spouse loves. Buy tickets to that event that you know that they love. Send them flowers. Guys, if you send flowers to your lady, know this. You should work hard to send those flowers where there are other witnesses, where other ladies see her getting those flowers. It's like exponentially better in terms of like reward and excitement. They, they love that. Uh, <laughs> fill the gas tank. I'll fill your gas tank. I don't know why we do that. Do the dishes. Write a note. Watch her movie instead of your movie, right? Like we can all endure a couple of Hallmark movies. It's going to be fine. You'll survive. When you think something special... Do it. And this is where it gets real. I, when you want something different, be it. I think so often when, when things aren't in our relationship where we feel like they should be or where we want them to be, our first reach is to blame the other person or to be critical or to tear someone else down. And I want to encourage you to start with you. If there's something that you feel is not the way it should be, when you want something to be different, I encourage you to, to own that and, and to be it, to be the change. Don't gripe about what your spouse is not. Just keep growing into who you are supposed to be because we're all on this journey, and it's a continual pursuit. When we talk about this idea of pursuing our, our spouses, pursuing your two, don't forget that, man, Jesus has gone completely out of his way. He has done everything possible to chase after you. He has laid it all on the line. You talk about the fullness of his committed love, his agape love for you. It is selfless. It is sacrificial. It serves. He has laid it all on the line. He has pursued us. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, just know this. My life, when I say yes to Jesus, that is the beginning of a beautiful journey with Jesus. It's the beginning of a relationship that is really marked and defined by a continual pursuit of who Jesus is and who he is calling me to be. That's why we say here at Crossroads all the time, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. That's me saying yes to Jesus every single day. That is me continually pursuing him. 
That's what the life with Jesus looks like. That's how I become who he created me to be. It is a continual pursuit. And in our relationships with our spouse, you guys, it's all reflective of this relationship that we have with God. It's the same kind of love. We are called to a continual pursuit. And so don't focus on what the other person is not. That's going to get you in trouble. Keep growing into the person that God is calling you to be. That's going to make a difference. Talk about those moments. Grow together. Those, those things can be achieved through a positive light rather than a critical experience. Become the person that God has called you to be. I would challenge you with a couple truths here. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. I mean, you've got to become who God has called you to be. You've got to lead with integrity. You've got to lead with love. You've got to be patient. You've got to be kind. You've got to be tenderhearted. You've got to fall into that crowd of not being tempted by boasting or envying. True love is committed. True love, it, it never fails. And you have the good times and the bad. That's why you, you make that vow. In richer for poorer, in sickness and health, till death do us part. That's what makes that vow so amazing. That's what makes that vow so incredible. That's what makes marriage so special. Is that that covenant, it supersedes any of the, of the road, uh, of, the, of the speed bumps of life. No, we, we continually pursue God we continually pursue each other. And sometimes that means I gotta focus on me. I gotta recognize I can do some growth here. I, I can do better. I can become the person that God has called me to be. And so I challenge you to get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. Say yes to Jesus. Surrender some more things in your life to him. Keep walking down that path that he is calling you toward. You can do it. I would say this if you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're realizing, ah, my marriage isn't as strong as it once was. Well, how about this? To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. I would contend that if that's your response and that's what you're feeling today, that maybe you've stopped pursuing as hard as you used to. This vow of pursuit is incredibly important when it comes to strong relationships, to strong marriages. The vow that we, we talked about last week, it, it's the foundation for this. I vow that God will be my first priority that my spouse will be my second. Once those priorities are in place, man, you have to promise to always pursue your two. Revelation 2.5, Jesus is talking about the church, but think about how this applies to our relationships as well. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. There's an important principle there. You have to choose to pursue your two. I want to challenge you today, when it comes to these vows, make sure that God is your highest priority, that your spouse is your second, because that's going to build the foundation that you need, that you're desperate for to build on, so you can have the healthiest marriage that you possibly can, so that you can live into that covenant that God created you for. And I, would just, I just want to encourage you today, those of you who are married, make it your vow today that, you know what, I will pursue always my two a continual pursuit that changes everything, that selfless, sacrificial love that serves. Lay it on the line. Reflect the love that God has for you. Remember all that he has done in leading the way in that selfless, sacrificial love that serves and be willing to lead the way in your marriage with that same kind of love. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today?
Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you today. God, I just want to lift your name up today and just recognize in this moment that, man, you love us with an amazing love. And God, I just ask that you would help us to be focused on doing everything we can to reflect that love in our marriages, to love with the same selfless, sacrificial love that serves that you have loved us with. God, bless us, I pray today. And we commit our marriages to you. We pray this in your holy and mighty name. Amen. And as we come to a close today, I just want to encourage you to think about the fact that, man, God loves you with such an incredible love that he has pursued you. He has given everything to be with you. And while we're supposed to imitate that love in the relationships that we have, I think most importantly in our marriages, I don't want to leave today without recognizing, man, you might be here today and not realize before you walked in here just how much God loves you. The fact that he has pursued you. The fact that he gave everything to be with you. We've had a chance today to celebrate changed lives through baptism to realize that when I follow Jesus, I am forgiven and I am set free. And I don't want to leave today without giving everyone a chance to say yes to Jesus and experience that life, that forgiveness, that freedom, because you, you have a God who loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so I want to invite everyone to stand. And as we stand, I'd like to close together by praying this prayer. And if you're praying this prayer for the first time, I invite you to lean in, to say this out loud with everyone else. And if you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came to this planet to lay down his life for you, I just want you to know that this is the beginning of your journey, that you will be forgiven, that you will be set free. So would you all just pray this prayer with me? Jesus, today I am making you my one. You are Lord of all. Forgive me from my sins. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. You gave your life for me. Today, I'm giving mine for you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. And can we just give God the glory because of the love that he has for us, the love that we're able to share with others because of what he has done in our lives? If you said that prayer today for the very first time, I want to invite you, when we're dismissed today, come up and say hi to Pastor Keith. He's waving his hand right here. We have a Bible that we'd love to give you, and we just want to help you take the next steps in your relationship with Jesus because we believe that there's a celebration going on in heaven because you've said yes, and your life has been changed, and we're excited about that, and we want to celebrate that journey with you. And so in light of all that God has done here, guys, let's put our hands together. Let's lift up the name of Jesus and go out leaving today praising his name. Let's worship together.